Welcome everybody to this episode of OTA Aspirations. My guest today was Joanne Trammell. She is the program director for the OTA program at Idaho State University. Um, she actually started the program as it is today. Uh, she went through the whole accreditation product process and everything like that. And we talk about it a lot in this episode, but um, I will get into my interview with her right after this ad break. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Oli's. Oli's is a small diner in Sugar City, Idaho, my hometown. It's actually right on your way if you're going up to Yellowstone, if you're going to Jackson, Wyoming, um, any of those places, you'll pass right by Sugar City. So I would highly recommend stopping by Oli's and having a meal, getting a shake, getting some of their uh, their hand-cut fries, their real ice cream shakes. They also make their hamburger patties from fresh ground beef. It's really delicious. Um, I've been going there since they opened. Uh, I think I was in high school. I'm actually going there this weekend. I'm very excited. Gonna stop by and, and have a meal. Um, so yeah, I appreciate them sponsoring this episode of the podcast. And if you're if you're headed up that way, uh, stop in and, and have a burger at Oli's. Uh, it's really delicious. I can't recommend them enough. And uh, I appreciate them sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Everybody, welcome to OTA Aspirations. My guest today is Joanne Trammell. Joanne is the director of the OTA program that I am a part of. Thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Um, so I want to start by getting a, an introduction of you. So you're not from around here. No. Tell, tell me about where you grew up and kind of what brought you to this part of Idaho. Okay, well, so I started my life in Wisconsin. That's where I was born. And then my father, when I was six, was transferred down to Asheville, North Carolina. So I started school in North Carolina first grade and went all my school years in North Carolina and um, got my OT degree from UNC Chapel Hill there in North Carolina. So that's where I spent my life, the first half of my life, and then I came out west and have been out here ever since. And what brought you out here? So a traveling occupational therapy job. I worked for, after I graduated, I worked for a couple of years around North Carolina, and I had a couple of friends that started doing travel assignments, and I thought that would be a really cool way to see the country. Hmm. I had an agenda. I was going to, uh, well, I had a, my first assignment was in Cape Cod, and I had- That's awesome. uh, It was (laughs) beautiful. Um, and there was an area in Western Massachusetts that I really liked. So I was going to have my, uh, do a couple assignments out West, particularly Colorado and Montana. Mm. And then I was going to go back and live in this little town in Western Massachusetts. In the meantime, I was, uh, placed in Idaho and I met my husband who at the time I didn't know was my husband, but <laughs> we started hanging out and decided that we thought we'd enjoy spending our lives together. So we got married after I'd been out here for a year, and I never traveled as a traveling OT to Montana or Colorado. I stayed in Idaho and have been here ever since for the second half of my life, or the rest of my life, actually. But yeah, <laughs> so I'm still here. Now, is your is your husband from here? He's even more broad, so he's lived all over the world. Um, his really? father, my father-in-law, um, 
that has done construction his whole life, which has taken them to South Africa, to Australia, Holy northern cow. Minnesota, Arizona, all over. Plus, he was in the Navy. My husband was, so he has oh, traveled. Oh, so he's gone all over the mm-hmm. place then. Right. And you have a son who's in the Navy, right? Right. My son, Clay, graduated from boot camp almost a year ago, and he's nice. now stationed in Jacksonville, Florida, and loves it, and it's the best thing for him. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. It is. What about um, if, if you want to talk about your other children? Yeah, what, so where my did daughter, Katie. Along? Yep. I, my first child is my daughter, Katie. She's just got married, so she's 24. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, and graduated from ISU about uh, a year and a half ago and is employed, which is awesome. And then there's Clay. So, yeah, he's cool. down in Jacksonville. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, what drew you to occupational therapy? Well, I guess I should start. Um, so you're, you have your master's in OT, correct? Correct. And that was when you were in North Carolina that correct. you got that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So back in the day, occupational therapy, you could get, you could work as an occupational therapist with your bachelor's degree. And then, mm-hmm. um, when I started looking into programs i thought i was going to get a bachelor's but there are came about programs that are called entry-level master's programs where you have a bachelor's degree in something Mm -hmm. and then you go in and in two years end to end you get a master's in occupational therapy kind of like what the the current format is it's very similar to what isu has correct um so my bachelor's degree is in business administration and so you were a rest, you did a you managed restaurants or something is I that right before spent my prior life yes was in restaurant management briefly it's it was a job that when i got my uh, bachelor's degree i was working in a restaurant to put myself through and uh, they had a manager training program that oh, okay. was pretty cool they sent you to st louis for 10 weeks to learn all the different aspects of restaurant management um and then they would put you in a restaurant kind of like field work where they would assign you to a restaurant yeah. that you would work at after. So I did that and um, was in Charlotte, North Carolina f- for my w- job as a front a front end manager for a large Mexican restaurant chain. Wow. It was it was fun. It was hard. It was a whole different person than I am now because I was very shy and uh, yeah, not the hmm. person I am today, which is interesting. But but at the time, I was volunteering at the hospital because I always wanted to be a candy striper as a kid, and I never got to do that. What's a candy striper? I don't even know what that is. So it's a, a volunteer when you're in high school age. You got to wear a really cute uniform that was pink and white stripes, and so they called them candy stripers. Hmm. And you would go to the hospital and deliver mail or take the flowers up to people or whatever. Huh. That's cool. I know. So I didn't get to do that, but in when I was doing my restaurant management in Charlotte, I decided I was going to be a pink lady, which is the adult version mm-hmm. of the hospital volunteer. So instead of the candy striper jumper that you got to wear as a youth, it's a pink jacket that identified you as the volunteers. And when I talked to the volunteer coordinator and told her that I was really interested in occupational therapy, I always wanted to do that. She's like, well, I'll put you with that department. And so I transported patients to and from therapy with the OT. Mm-hmm. And she's the one that told me about the program at Chapel Hill for 
entry-level master's and that I could certainly continue on and get my degree. I thought I'd have to go back and get a whole nother bachelor's, mm, but instead my work bachelor worked for what I needed and carry on and get a master's. So at the time you could get a bachelor's degree or a master's degree. Correct. Wow. That's and there awesome. are still bachelor level OTs working today that were grandfathered mm-hmm. in. Yeah, I've shadowed a few. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're still around. Um, but now it's the master's level and they're looking to transition up to the doctorate level with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And when, do, when will that take place? Do you know? It's, it's still out for debate whether it's going to be mandated that everybody has to get a doctorate like the DPT program, yeah. doctor of physical therapy. Um, so right now there's the, you can either get your master's or your doctorate to be an occupational therapist in currently. Hmm. Now, will that affect any OTA? Will, I mean, will OTAs eventually jump up to bachelor's degrees or are they going to stay associate degrees? Mm, that's a current debate as well. So there are programs that have started up that offer a bachelor's for OTA. Oh, okay. A few, not many. Um, And and then there's the OTA programs at the associate level, and the discussion is if we move up to the doctorate level, will there be such a disparity between degrees that we need to move the OTA up to the bachelor's Mm, level? I see. Um, There's pros and cons to both. I personally don't support mandating either. I feel like to allow anybody... Um, access to education, having the associate level along, you know, for assistance is important. And having the bachelor level option is fine. Mm-hmm. But keep the associates. It would Correct. Be your along option. with the master's and the doctorate. My, mm-hmm. This is just my opinion, but I feel like the master level trained OTs do research. They can teach, but... They are the clinicians out there working. Yeah. And then people that want to do a lot of research, that want to work in academia, that want to just further their education, everybody should have the ability to do that as well, mm-hmm. have the doctorate level available for that too. I don't personally agree with mandating the bachelor and the doctorate without keeping mm, the see. other two. Now, are there in the OT program the the master's degree program here at ISU. The, are there professors doctors of OT? There's a variety. So you have PhDs. Um, there are some that are doctors of occupational therapy, and there are some that have like a ED, a, a doctorate in education. Mm-hmm. There's a variety. And that currently, the way I understand it, at the um, occupational therapy level, you just need to have a doctorate degree. It doesn't oh, have okay. to be in OT. Oh, wow. Interesting. Huh. I w- see, I would have thought to teach an OT program, you'd have to be have the doctorate in OT, but really you could have the OT degree and any doctorate degree. or Well, as long as it's relevant, I'm sure. That's the way I understand it. Um, yeah. Because it's you're teaching the OT, which having your OT degree gives you that. Yeah. The doctorate is more specializing in whether it's research, education, OT, mm-hmm. and the doctorates in OT can be in an area like um, 
hand therapy or in leadership or pediatrics. So you might have a greater degree of expertise in those areas. But no. from what the way I understand it, it doesn't have to be in OT to have your doctorate. It can be in other areas. Well, that brings me to the correction I wanted to make. So in my um, episode with Shannon, you actually pointed this out. And I was... I mean, we're new, but um, I I said that uh, OTAs can become hand therapists, but only master MOTs. You can. have to have an occupational therapy degree. Yes. To become a certified hand therapist, but an OTA can certainly work in a hand therapy clinic. Mm-hmm. You can work with hands. Yes. But to be able to get certified in hand therapy, you have to have a master's or higher level of degree. Okay. It, I'm glad we cleared that up because, yeah. that, again, that was I think I left that a little bit like um, unclear in that episode. So I appreciate you clearing that up sure. for us. Um, now, for you've how many cohorts have you worked with here at ISU? So you are in our third cohort, and we just accepted our fourth. Oh, so they they just got their acceptance letters, and mm-hmm. you know who's coming in. For the most part, yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's they they awesome. still have to accept. So that's yeah. why I say for the most part, we've mm-hmm. identified the top 20 and we're waiting. But I think most of them have accepted and registered. So well, it's something that uh, I want to point out is this is the only accredited OTA program in Idaho. I think I may have mentioned that. Yeah, currently. Mm-hmm. And we're June of 2020. Right. But yeah, that's I mean, that was significant for me because... I was looking in Indiana. I right. was looking, you know, where my in-laws live. And mm-hmm. and so I was really glad to find this one. And it was so new that I was like, is this, you know, is, is this legitimate here? Because I think <laughs> I'd looked previously and it wasn't there. And then right. I looked again and it existed all, you know, all of a sudden. And you were pivotal in that from what I understand. Well, the I was hired to develop the program. Yes. And so... With that development, you have to take a cohort and run it through the program for the accreditation council to come on site and make sure that you are able to meet all of the standards to say that, yes, you have what it takes to be an accredited OTA program. So how did that come about to where who approached you and was like, we want to start an OTA program at ISU? So Darren Jernigan is the coordinator for the physical therapy assistant program. He's been here for many years. Darren Great guy, I, I met him. Yeah. Well, Darren and I worked together back when I came out to Idaho as a traveling occupational therapist in Boise. He was a traveling physical therapist that came to the same mm. facility, and we met each other and worked together and um, remained in touch through the years. And he had told me, you know, five, seven years ago that they were looking at starting an OTA program. And if it ever happened, he would love for me to consider applying for the position. And ISU, so it, our program was started on a grant that uh, involves some other CTE type courses in other colleges in the state. Sorry, what does CTE mean? uh, Career and technical education. Okay. So being in the College of Technology, we're part of the CTE platform mm-hmm. in the state of Idaho. And anyway, so the programs, that grant was up and running, and there were four, four or five different programs encompassed in that grant. And one of them 
dropped out or for whatever reason it no longer was part of the grant which had an open created an opening mm. for mm-hmm. ISU to step in and say hey we have this other program we would love to bring on campus can we move them into this position and so that's how we got started with grant money which was amazing because it gave us money for the equipment and yeah the classroom remodel mm-hmm. and all that so um, that's how it was identified. And so I applied and I you had to go through the interview process and all of that and was accepted for the position in four years ago in February is when that happened. And with, with accreditation, it's not just you say, okay, I want to do it and bam, you're there. It's a whole process for occupational therapy accreditation process. And it's the same process for assistant level programs as well as master's level programs. It's the same standards that we have to meet. It's just the master's level programs have more standards than what we do because they're doing more in the valuation Mm -hmm. and research in that part. Um, But there's a whole cycle. So you have to get into the cycle to even be accepted as a candidate program, which takes time. And then there's certain things that have to happen. So you have to have a program coordinator identified and hired before you can start. And then you have to have your fieldwork coordinator identified and hired. And then there's a candidacy application that has to be um, sent in, uploaded and sent in, and that has to be accepted before you can accept your first cohort. So the candidacy process is 60 standards that you have to meet. That shows your curriculum design, the courses that you're going to do, um, your uh, mission and vision and philosophy and um, all of these basic structures that define who you're who you are as a program. So you you've determined what those are: the yes. philosophy, the mission, yes. the vision. Yes. Um, and then, so once you're, once the candidacy is accepted, then you take it, your students on and you start teaching the program. And then somewhere in that cycle, the accreditation council sends out on-site reviewers that look at everything and make sure that your space is what it needs to be, that you have adequate supplies, that you have the institutional support that every program needs to have in order to run the program. And No pressure. <laughs> anyway, so we did that, and that's that was mid-cycle through that first cohort. So every program has a cohort that doesn't know whether or not they're going to get their degree or not because some programs don't make it through that. I mean, very, very few, very small percentage, but there are some that don't make it through that cycle, and those students are left with nothing. So very, my first cohort were the pioneers for my program and, um, trusting people that came on and we, we made it through and shout out to the first cohort. Thank you. you guys. (laughs) Exactly. And they're out working now and doing well. So that was great, but that's, that's the process. Um, the change since I was accredited is now programs, that are wanting to become candidate programs have to have a program coordinator hired one year before they can apply for candidacy. Holy cow. Wow. Which is not a bad thing because it takes you that long to figure out what books you want to use, what your curriculum is, what your philosophy is, you know, who, 
what you have to identify potential field work sites, yeah. people that are say that they're willing to take your students and that sort of thing. So I did it in six months and, you know, it came out okay, but a year would have been nice. Yeah. It, it, it would have made that process a little bit smoother. So I don't, I, th- I think it's a good idea. It's just costly to the institutions that are doing it that have mm. somebody on board for that whole year um, without having students in the seat paying tuition well, to still, offset that. What an amazing feat for you to pull off in six months. Mm. I mean, I can't even imagine the stress that you have to be under. And not only that, but like all of these students are are banking on you having all your eyes dotted and your T's crossed to make sure that they can be. There was a little stress involved with that. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it for me, it was a huge milestone to accomplish because through my career I had, um, I, I really enjoy program planning and creating ideas for places I've worked. Yeah. But I led a kind of a transient career with um, my husband being in construction, moving places, and then having kids. And I, um, I started a lot of programs and didn't always necessarily get to see them all the way through. Yeah, I handed off a lot to other people to complete, or mm-hmm. or they might have fizzled out. I'm not even really sure. So for me to see this from beginning to end has been a great yeah, that's awesome. feat for me to say that I have accomplished this in my career. So. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm pretty excited well, about it. I appreciate you doing that because, again, if it wasn't, I mean, there's so many people on on this podcast that I've had that have been pivotal. Yeah. You know, um, Tiffany, first yes, of all. Tiffany's awesome. She's amazing. Um, and now you setting this up, I mean, if it wasn't for you doing all this whole accreditation process with the stress and the, I mean, I can't even imagine having people come out. And they have to evaluate now. Look, let's see what you've set up. Mm-hmm. And it could fall apart. That was actually exciting uh, for me because I knew we had a good program. Yeah. And and having them come and see what we were doing was was exciting. Well, ex- describe that. What When they come out, what are they, what happens? And they will be doing it again here in a, about a year and a half for reaccreditation. Oh, okay. Um, so you, once you get accredited, it's either a five-year, seven-year, or ten-year accreditation cycle and we mm-hmm. got a five year. So in about two and a, or a year and a half now, they'll come out again. So they, um, first of all, you have to upload, um, electronically your written responses to the standards. Yeah. A lot of that is, you know, a copy of our strategic plan, our CVs, curriculum vitae's of, which is our resume, academic version of a resume mm-hmm. showing that we are qualified to hold the positions that we do. Um, and then all of the curriculum based, the syllabi, every, um, objective on the syllabi is related to a standard and each of those have a, an assignment or some learning objective assessment that shows us that you are learning what it is you need to learn out of that particular course and the related objectives. So all of that gets uploaded first, and there's people that review that and see if on paper they feel like it meets the standard. And then coming out in person then validates that it is. Because on paper, I could say, 
that I have a beautiful classroom that perfectly meets all my students' needs. Um, there's adequate space. We have all the equipment. But I've heard that there, the reason they do the on-site is because there are programs that say that on paper, but then when they come on site, they're teaching out of a closet, you know, not yeah, adequate space. Yeah. Um, so they have to see it for real. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect and, and sense. And so they, yeah. come, they, they come through and um, tour the facilities. They tour the campus, make sure the library, that the student services, um, all of the support systems are what we say they are. And I think ISU does an amazing job supporting the students, especially in the College of Technology. Oh, I agree 100%. Yeah. Um, but then they also sit the faculty down and, you know, ask us questions. They might, when they read the accreditation standards, they might have had questions about, well, this assignment, I don't, it doesn't clearly say in your upload how this assignment is meeting the standards. So can you explain that in person to us? Mm, okay. So they give you opportunity to do clarifications. Um, and then they also bring in the community OTs that maybe are our fieldwork educators and ask them questions. Does the program uh, help you understand their mission and vision? Do you feel like they are um, producing students that reflect that? Do they mm. give you, does Brittany, who's our fieldwork coordinator, um, give you the information you need to adequately educate our students in the field? Mm-hmm. Are the objectives clear and that sort of thing? Um, and then they talk to the students. So it's not individual, but they'll come into the classroom and close the door where it's just you guys and the creditors, and they'll ask you, do you, you know, is, do you feel like your needs are met? Do you feel like the faculty are responsive to your needs? Do you feel like they're teaching you what you need to learn and that sort of thing? And mm-hmm. so... Um, everybody has their opportunity to yay or nay the program, and then they tally up what they feel like, and they say you're doing great or you have these areas that you need to correct. And then you get time to go back and correct where they – and they'll tell you, you know, well, this isn't clear or we need more evidence about this or that sort of thing. So. So it, there must be like a certain standard. So like if if you had some things that needed correction, they wouldn't be like, okay, well, we can't give you accreditation you have for a this cohort. You have a chance to correct it Okay. before they go that far. Wow. Well, that is, that's quite the, the feat. Thank you yeah. for all your work, <laughs> honestly, because yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if I really knew exactly what went into all that until mm-hmm. I just came and. Started going to school, and you were right. my teacher, and Brittany was yeah. my teacher, and Kathy and was my teacher. And that's the way it's supposed to look. It's just, yeah. you know, it's here, it's available, and you get in and do what you need to do, and you go out and practice. That's awesome. Uh, a few more questions here, a, th- a few more things I want to cover. Um, for someone who is looking to apply to an OTA program, and this is anybody, right? what qualities do you find... Um, I guess uh, the people that are the most successful as not only students, but also practitioners, what are some qualities that those people need? Oh, um, uh, Tiffany, I heard her talk about grit in her podcast, and I do agree. Grit is huge. the students that come to the College of Technology in general, 
and I probably across the board for OTA uh, programs, most of you guys are married or have lives outside of the program. You're working, Mm -hmm. you're trying to find ways to pay for the education. Some of you are coming at it from a second uh, degree or um, career path, Mm -hmm. and you're still working that prior career path until you get out of this one. So there's a lot pulling at you other than just school. School. Yeah. Because when I went to school, and you know, I was single, I was, I worked, but um, that was part of my social life as well. And school was all that I needed to focus on. Yeah. That is not the case with the cohorts that I've had. It's the very few students that that's all they're doing. Most of them have families and jobs and uh, other things that are pulling. Some some are taking care of aging parents. You know, it's some there's have so children. Much more. I know a lot in our cohort have kids. Right. Yeah. So there's grit that is in there because you're studying late at night, early in the morning. You're figuring out ways to find daycare or someone to watch your kids so that you can focus on school or, you know, negotiating with your um, employer on how you can get off time that's out of the normal class schedule for different opportunities we're trying to mm-hmm. provide for better learning opportunities. Um, there's just a lot of that. So adaptability, um, the grit, and then for OT in general, it's that out-of-the-box thinking. It's um, it's not linear. It's not, you know, if I do this and understand this, this is the answer, which you know that for us it's – there can be 20 different answers for a test question yeah. and those 20 different answers can all be correct if you're getting the basic underlying theme of what we're looking for. Yes. And I think people coming into our program, it takes them a semester <laughs> or more to really get that, that it's, we're trying to teach you these concepts, but at the same time, OT is so broad and diverse. There's so many different ways to approach how you're going to interact with someone, how you're going to provide an intervention that's unique to the person that meets a goal that can come at it from so many different ways. Mm. And it's a whole different way of thinking than... I think of it as like an art in that way. Well, it is an art and a science. Yeah. Because there is science behind what Mm -hmm. it is we're doing. But yes, we're a lot more creative and out-of-the-box thinking is how I like to put it for. Well, I think the great thing is, um, so we'll have like a goal or objective in mind, say for a patient. Mm -hmm. And the means by which we go there, I think it, of course, it needs to be Mm evidence-based. But also you're kind of left with this freedom to, to, to create an intervention for that person specific to their needs. And I think of where OT is really, um, really special is that people can um, or practitioners are able to uh, tailor an intervention perfectly to the individual person. And I think that's where, at least in my eyes, we see people as individuals. You know, we don't see one intervention for this injury. Right. You know, of course, that there's lots of injuries there's lots of different people one intervention may not work for that specific injury for that specific person correct and because individuals are unique yes also Mm -hmm. and so 
that's what you're saying is that one individual is unique in their way and another one is unique in their way. And so the same intervention may not work for both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Um, you can have the same end goal. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Oh, and similar outcomes too. Correct. You know, this, this range of motion, this, Mm -hmm. um, be able to do this independently, you know, of course. Uh, let's see for someone who's getting ready to apply. Um, what do you think is uh, the best way for them to to get ready? So going to the website is a great way to get an idea of what exactly our our program is like and what is on the website is um, the course outline um, and it has how to apply. It has the cl- the classes that you have to take to get in, which Tiffany referred to the Mm -hmm. three prerequisites and then the other classes to round out your associate's degree along with the OTA classes. So all of that information is on our website, which anybody can find by just Googling ISU OTA. It'll take you straight to the website. Um, Then, so that, and then contacting Tiffany, I think is a huge first step so that she can get you in tune with where you stand in the application process for uh, transfer credits, which you were talking about, mm-hmm. um, observation hours, those type of things to see if, if you're ready to apply. So our application opens every November and closes every March so that after the closing of the application process in March, we make our decision on the cohort soon thereafter for the following fall term. So somebody right now may be thinking, I wanna apply for the next cohort, which would be not this fall, but the next fall, Mm -hmm. which would mean they would need to start looking at the application process this coming November. Yes. Well, if you don't have your prerequisites yet, you may or may not be able to get in the next year because not everything is offered at the same time and that sort of thing. So. Um, Tiffany is your first, your best first stop to see where you stand in that process. Marketing is a great office too to contact marketing and recruitment because they are the ones that will bring you on campus and show you around and schedule a program tour. And um, I am very open to people coming and uh, talking to me in person, on the phone, online, whatever, but also I offer people to come sit in on a class mm-hmm. and just see what that's like so they can see how we do the hands-on. Me and Shannon talked about that. But we were talking about how that was something we wish we had done. Right. We didn't even think of that. I, at least I didn't think yeah. of it as an option. Maybe she did. But. Yeah. But so. you're here anyway, so that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And then we do a lot of, you know, we do a lot of outreach too, going to high schools, talking about it. The uh, Tech Expo uh, big event, which was canceled this year because of... Yes, but it's a great way for potential students to come and see and we, you know, talk to them and then they can set up tours from there as well. So there's a lot of local or regional marketing events that happen that get people um, informed about the program and then they can come on site. But anybody that's not local or regional can reach out through the website and start looking that way. Cool. Well, and I, I will say not only for ISU, but any other OTA program, 
they will have a website. Absolutely. As far as I've seen. Nope. And I've looked at several, and mm-hmm. they all have all of that spelled out. There's people that you can contact. Mm-hmm. You're not alone when you're out looking for, correct. for an OTA program. Mm-hmm. And most people are, are very willing to talk to potential students and yeah. give them advice and help them apply and whatever. And it's, I mean, it's what we do because we want students in our programs. So, I mean, I, I'm going to be as available as I can to yeah. help as many students as possible come out with this awesome degree and career. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much for your time today, Joanne. Is there anything else that you want to cover? Anything else that came to your mind? No, I think we covered a pretty broad base. Yeah, we did. Thank you again. Um, And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you in the next one. Okay, and that is it for this episode of OTA Aspirations. I want to thank Joanne Trammell for taking time out of her schedule to talk to me today. I also want to thank our sponsor, Oli's. And... uh, If you have any comments or questions about the show, you can email me at otaaspirationspodcast at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram at otaaspirationspodcast. I look forward to talking to all of you in the next episode.